Welcome back to Sister Ellie Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church-related. And on today, we are going to continue our journey through 1 Timothy. Yes, I said 1 Timothy. We have already spoken about chapters 1, chapters 2, and chapter 3. Now we're going to begin today with chapter 4. Now listen, we are going all the way back to the beginning, back to the foundations where we built our foundation for God or where we are building a new foundation for God or we are novices in the faith. We just now are learning about God and we are building a foundation. We went all the way back to the beginning, to our first love, learning how we conduct ourselves in the church, learning how a leader should conduct themselves, the qualifications, if you will, of a leader in the church of God. Now here in 1 Timothy, we are going to learn about apostasy. You know, the Holy Spirit revealed that in the latter times, in the latter days, which we are living in, in 2022, there will be a falling away from personal faith in Jesus Christ and scriptural truth. Listen, people that knew Jesus, who lived for Jesus, they will be turning away from the faith of Jesus Christ in the last days. And they will be turning away from Jesus to have something else to fill that void, to fill that space. The Bible tells us, so we should not be alarmed about those that are turning away from Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit revealed that in the latter times there will be a falling away from the personal faith of Jesus Christ and scriptural truth, the truth of the Bible. Many people will fall away from the truth. They will turn their backs on the truth to run after fables, to run after things that are not of God. So it is scripture, so so we should not be surprised about what is happening in the world today. People will abandon the faith of God to follow after false teachings of deceiving spirits and of demons. This is what the Bible tells us. People will turn from Jesus Christ, from the word of God, from the truth to follow after what deceiving spirits and demons are telling them. Listen, the first thing that Satan does is he comes in with deception. That is the first thing that comes from the kingdom of darkness. That is deception, deceiving, false teachings, deceiving spirits and demons. Just say, wow, I can see that happening today. In 2022, many are turning from Christianity to follow after other religions, to follow after no religion at all, or to follow after the New Age quote-unquote movement. Yes, what is New Age, you may ask? Well, New Age is used to describe spiritual 
or non-scientific activities such as meditation, astrology, and alternative medicine, or people who are connected with such activities that describes new age so when you hear of new age think on these things many people are turning away from christianity to follow after new age and listen i am not surprised about why paul is telling timothy of these things because of ephesus the uh the uh town of ephesus or the the city of ephesus if you did your homework, you were supposed to go and look up Ephesus to see what kind of place that was. Listen, that place was uh, uh, filled with occultism. It was filled with new age, as we can say today. It was filled with this type of stuff. So this is why Paul was telling Timothy to... Um, look out for these things to look out for the uh, congregation in the church and to and look out just look out to be aware of what is going on in your surroundings listen the spirit said that people will fall away from these from christianity and follow after these things so it is not something that we should be concerned with when we see others uh, turn away from Christianity and follow after these things. What we supposed to be concerned with that we ourselves do not fall away or turn away from Christianity to turn to these things. We have to be solid in the faith of God. We have to stand firm. That's why we are building our foundation here today in 1 Timothy. That's why we are reconstructing our foundation. That's why we are uh, uh, building a new foundation or, or, or just just going back to the foundation, going back to remind ourselves of the foundation or the principal things of the word of God, the principal things of how we are supposed to conduct ourselves in Christianity and not to follow after the things of new age, to follow after the things um, that are turning many away from God. And listen at this, in 2020, Christianity was at about 2.4 billion people which was about 31% of the population at that time. And Islam was at 1.9 billion, which was about 24.9% at that time. Listen, uh, Islam has grown since 2020. So you can imagine what the numbers are today. Many people are falling away from Christianity. And listen, they're turning to other religions are there walking around with no religion at all or they are turning to new age so listen we want to stand firm in our faith we want to get the word of god on the inside of us so when that spirit that deceiving spirit as the bible is telling us or those demons begin to come and whisper in our ear to tell us to turn away from christianity we have a firm foundation and we can stand up 
to that deceiving spirit and say, no, no, no. I know the truth and I am going to stand in the truth. Get behind me, Satan. Go back to the pits of hell where you belong. Yes, we can say that we have authority. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Bible tells us we have the power to tread over serpents and scorpions and all powers of the devil. And nothing by any means shall hurt us, shall harm us. So we can tell that deceiving spirit to get away from us and go back. The Bible also tells us if we submit ourselves unto God and resist the devil, resist what that deceiving spirit is telling us, the Bible says that he must flee. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. He must leave you alone. So we are learning here we're building a foundation here. We're going back and remembering our foundation. We're remembering those scriptures that we came up, that we grew up with, or that we are beginning to learn if we're a novice in Jesus Christ. We're learning these scriptures. We submit ourselves to God. That means submit ourselves or do the things of God. Listen, uh, submit to the word of God, what the word tells us to do. Resist the devil. Don't listen to what the devil is telling you to do. And what? He has to leave you alone. He must flee from you. But granted, I must also let you know that he will come back just as he did Jesus when he tempted Jesus. He went away, but he came back. So remember that the devil will leave you, but he will come back. But you have your tools in your arsenal if you have listened to the whole arm of God, listen to that series, you know what your tools are, you have them in your arsenal, and you know how to get rid of the devil, you know how to banish the devil, you know how to make the devil flee from you. Yes, so we're going to stay in Christianity and we are not going to listen to these deceiving spirits and demonic spirits that try to get us to turn away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there will be in the church preachers who are highly gifted. Listen, listen to this. They are highly gifted and they are anointed by God. But some will accomplish and some will accomplish great things for God and preach the gospel of truth effectively. They will do that, but they will depart from the faith and they will gradually turn to these seducing spirits and false doctrines. So nobody is exempt. Listen to me. That's why I admonish you to pray for your leaders. Pray for those that are in leadership. Pray for those that are in office in the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the devil will come to them just as he comes to us. And they preach uh, uh, the word of God with fire and they're highly gifted and anointed with God. But listen, the Holy Spirit has told us that some will depart from the faith and that some includes the preachers and the teachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will depart. And they will gradually turn to seducing spirits and false doctrines. And because of their former anointing and their former zeal, 
they will mislead many. Listen, we don't want to be misled. We don't want to fall into that category of those that depart from the faith, from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to pray for our leaders if we are leaders ourselves we definitely want to pray for ourselves we definitely want to hear what the spirit is speaking unto the church we want to be mindful of the wiles of the devil we learned that in the whole armor of god series we want to be mindful of the wiles of the devil and the tricks and the deceit and the deception the plots the plans the strategies the tactics of the enemy we want to be aware and mindful of those things so we will not be in that group that falls away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and adhere to seducing spirits and false doctrine. So so guard your hearts, guard your minds, stay in the word, continue to pray and seek the face of God and be obedient and not rebellious. Yes, And we will make it because God said he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He will be with us until the very end. As long as we keep our hand in his hand, he is going to keep us. He is going to watch out for us. So we want to be mindful of what the scripture is telling us here today. Even though the church is the pillar of the truth, There shall arise in the church gross systems of error. I mean, my God from Zion, we can see that today, error in the church. You know, the different things that go on in the church. I mean, from from 1 Timothy, we've we've read what's supposed to be done in the church and how uh, people are supposed to act in the church. And we've learned about the qualifications of our leaders, our overseers and our deacons. And we've learned that here in Timothy. But we can see today in 2022 gross error in the church. Things are done in the church that should not be done or things that are not done in the church that should be done. Gross error in the church of demonic origin. These are demons speaking. These seducing spirits are speaking to the leaders of the church and they are, are hearing. Uh, they are listening to these demonic spirits and they are doing what they these spirits are telling them to do. So listen, we have to be mindful of these things. Paul is reminding Timothy or he's uh, uh, teaching Timothy about these things and how to be watchful. We have to be watchful in the church of how the enemy can slip in unaware as uh, Jude tells us in the book of Jude how the enemy slips in unaware and he begins to work error. He begins to work deceit. He begins to work uh, disunity in the body of Christ. So we have to be aware of these things. We have to be mindful of the word of God. And no wonder God is leading us back to the very principal thing. He is leading us back to the foundation because I personally feel like, and it's just my personal opinion, I feel like, yes, the church as a whole has uh, um, 
Let's see, turned away from many things, for uh, many principal things. The church has begun to go into gross systems of error, just like the word of God here is telling us in 1 Timothy. I, we can see it with our own two eyes. We can feel it in our spirit. We can, by the Holy Ghost, we can discern what is going on in the church world. And Paul is in, uh, encouraging Timothy here to be mindful of these things, to watch for these things. And that's what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to be mindful of these things. We are supposed to watch for these things. And if we are in leadership, we are supposed to correct these things. We are not supposed to allow these things to continue on in the church. We are supposed to correct it. We are supposed to silence those false teachings. We are supposed to silence those false ways. We are supposed to bring it back into correction, back in the road, if you will. Because many, they uh, turn down the wrong road or they get off the path that God has set before them. And we as leaders, if you are a leader, I'm not saying that I'm a leader, but those that are leaders, you are supposed to put those people or help those people, those in the congregation, get back on the right path, get back on the right road following after Jesus Christ, after the word of God. Yeah, it time. There is no time for us to uh, pity pat and babysit the Christians. Either you want to live for God or you do not. Listen, I'm telling you from experience, I am not telling you something that I do not know. I've been there and I've done that. I went down the wrong road. Yes, I did. But now I am making my way back to the right road and I would do everything in my ability to make sure that I uh, teach and show forth the things of God, the right things of God, the true things. I will defend the gospel of Jesus Christ with everything that I have on the inside of me. Yeah, because I was one that... Uh, turned away from God that got uh, on the wrong road and did the wrong things before God. But now that he, you know, he was patient and he waited for me. He waited for me and he helped me to get back on the right road. And now that I am there, I will defend the gospel of Jesus Christ unto death. I will die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not just saying that. Just dry long soul. Listen, I'm telling you, I have been through some things. If I live, I live for Jesus Christ. And if I die, I die for Jesus Christ. Because listen, I will be going into the bosom of Abraham. I will be going to heaven to be with Jesus Christ. So th I, there is no fear in God. So listen, I'm on a rant. But listen, we have to... Uh, see these things and we have to understand that these things will come to pass. Demonic origin, teachers abstinent from the meat foods and conjugal uh, intercourse. This is what is being teached. These are the things that are rising in the church today. And you want to talk about uh, uh, stay away from pork or don't eat this or don't eat that. Listen. Paul is letting us know that that is that that means nothing. 
That means nothing in the work of God. That means nothing. Listen, God made everything. He made it good. You pray over it and you eat it and you keep it moving because everything that God made is good. And we can see here in, in Timothy that Paul is telling us that that is nothing. Yeah, this was a way or this is a way that the uh, uh, the works of the enemy or how this scripture is telling us gross systems of error are entering into the body of Christ. And we know the teachings of abstinence from meat foods and uh, conjugal intercourse. These were ways or forms of Gnosticism that was developing in its developing stage and we know of Gnosticism now today. Look up Gnosticism and see what that is all about. It is spelled with a G. The G is silent. Look up Gnosticism. Ask Siri. Siri, what is Gnosticism? And you will see for yourself what it is today. Now Paul went to the heart of this dualistic era by stating that meat is not inherently evil. It is the creation of God. Those who believe and know the truth can gratefully receive it and use what God created. Everything God created is good. I just said that. Nothing is to be rejected. Listen, nothing that God created is to be rejected. What you do is you pray over it. You thank God that he's given it to you for the nourishment of your body and you receive it. Now that is you if you believe and you know the truth. Now if you are skeptical about the truth of Jesus Christ, then maybe you won't eat it. But listen... Everything God created is good and it is not to be rejected <laughs> unless it's something that you do not like personally. You've tried it and you do not like it. Then you may reject that because listen, honey, you can't get me to eat a beet. I've tried a beet. I don't like a beet and I will not eat a beet. But hey, we're coming in a time of famine. I might just have to eat those beets and keep it moving for sustenance to sustain in this last and evil day. But listen, I don't like them and I don't eat them. That's the only reason. The only reason that I don't eat a beet is because I don't like the taste. But listen, there's coming a time before us. We are coming into a time. Listen what I have to say. We are coming into a time where we're going to have to uh, grow our own food. We're going to have to go back to canning or, or, or preserving food. There's coming a time ahead of us that those beets are going to look real good on my plate. Yes, they are. And most likely I will eat them. Why? Because it will be sustenance for my body. It will be something that will keep me moving, keep me going. So, yeah, we're coming into a time that Sister Allie Castillo is going to have to eat a beet, but she doesn't like it. So, listen, everything that God created is good. Yes, everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected. We receive it 
with thanksgiving and it shall be sanctified by word and prayer. So what you do is you you pray over it. You thank God for it. And the word said it shall be sanctified. It's going to be sanctified by the word of God and by your prayer. Yes, eat it and keep it moving. Now we're going to look at the responsibilities excuse me, of a good minister. Paul tells Timothy, by reminding the brother of these things, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Just to reiterate the simple gospel truths, just reiterate. That's what we're doing today. We're reiterating the simple gospel truths. We are reminding ourselves and we are teaching those young in the faith the simple gospel truths. However, in order to do this, Paul is telling Timothy, you have to keep yourself nourished in the truth of the faith and not godless myths and old wise fables. Listen, listen, in order to be a good teacher, a good minister, a, a good preacher, you have to nourish yourselves first you have to uh, get in the word of God. You have to hear the word of God. You have to learn the word of God and, and nourish your own selves before you can nourish somebody else, before you can teach somebody else. Listen, we are not to listen to godless myths and old wise fables. We have to nourish ourselves with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because there are many, many godless myths out there uh, even though even things of listen I found in in uh, this time in my life as a Christian uh, this renewal of my faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ this renewal of my love for God I found that some things that uh, I learned along the way uh, on my Christian journey were uh, godless myths. They were not scripture, in other words, or the scripture was not uh, uh, spoken the way it was taught. The scripture did not read according to the way it was taught. And I began to learn this, not many, not many things, but just a few things I've learned on my refreshing of the Holy Spirit that some things that I was taught or uh, learned along the way were godless myths. They were old wise fables. They were things that someone came up or sayings or, or uh, teachings that someone just came up with and it just uh, caught fire and began to go throughout uh, Christianity, but it, it is not the word. It is not the word of God. And I just want to let you know, you know, we have to nourish ourselves with truth with the actual word of God and not godly myths and old wives fables. This is what Paul is teaching Timothy. We are building on this foundation. Listen, I have the hammer in my hand and the nails are ready. We are building this foundation. Yes, we are. Paul began to tell Timmy, Timothy to train yourself to serve God. Turning your body our training your body helps you in some ways, but training yourself in God will help you in every way. In other words, 
uh, Paul began to say, you know, uh, um, working out this natural body, it helps you in some ways. But when you work out that spiritual body, that spiritual nature, that spirit man, when you train that spirit man, it's going to help you in every way. When it comes to that natural body, that spirit man is going to tell you what to eat and what not to eat for that natural body. That spirit man is going to tell you to exercise or walk or whatever, you know, have you for that natural body. So uh, training that natural body, it helps you in some ways. Now, it will help the natural man, the natural body, but it does nothing for that spirit it does nothing for your spirit man so when you train your spirit man paul is saying it helps you in every way it helps your spirit and it helps your natural so that's what we want to do we want to train ourselves to serve god we want to train ourselves in the spirit realm we want to train ourselves in the word of god we want to train ourselves in praise and in worship we want to train ourselves in prayer we want to train ourselves how to get close to god how to hear from god to know god's voice to separate god's voice from our own uh desires and wants our own voice to separate god's voice from the voice of the enemy when he comes to deceive us we want to train ourselves to know the things of God separate from the things of the devil, from the things of the enemy, from the things of the world. Listen, the Bible tells us that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we want to make a separation there. There's a separation that has to be there. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Why? Because this world belongs to Satan. This world belongs to Lucifer. We are only travelers in this world. Our home is in heaven. Therefore, we are not of this world. We are not of the kingdom of darkness. We are of the kingdom of light. So we want to train ourselves to know these things. We want to train ourselves to build ourselves up in the things of the kingdom of light, which is of God. That's why this ministry is called light in the midst of darkness. This is light in darkness. We are a light that sitteth upon a hill. We stand out in the darkness of this world and the devil don't like it. And the devil is trying to destroy his people because he cannot stand it that our lights shine in the midst of his darkness. Therefore, we have to train ourselves how to serve God in spirit and in truth in spirit and in truth train ourselves and how do we do that we read the word of God we study the word of God we learn the word of God we listen to teaching we humble ourselves so we can be taught we humble ourselves so someone can uh, 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 put um, uh, teaching in us just like Timothy just like Paul put teaching into Timothy this is how we learn we train ourselves this is how we live in spirit and in truth this life and for our future yes we train ourselves for this life and for our future life now Paul exalts Timothy 
to command and teach these things. Let no man despise your youth. It does not matter how old or how young you are. If God has given you the gift you better use the gift that God has given you. If he's given you a gift to teach his gospel, use it. Listen, let no man, let nobody despise your youth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead, just be an example to the believers with your words, with your actions, with your love, with your faith, and with your pure life. Be an example. Let nobody despise your youth. Let nobody despise your age. Listen, I'm up in age, and I'm not going to let nobody despise my age. Yes, the devil will come and he has come to me and say, listen, you're starting over. You're too old. You, you, you know, <laughs> you should have did this many, many years ago when you were strong in your youth. But listen, God is the one that gives strength. I don't care what number my age is. God is the one that keeps me. God is the one that strengthens my body. So yes, I am going to do the will of God until I die. Yes, I was. I never, I didn't always have this mindset. I did not always have this mindset. Listen to me. I did not always have this mindset, but listen, honey, I have been through some things. I have learned some things. I've been taught some things. I've experienced some things. I've seen some things. I've heard some things. And listen, now I have this mindset, honey. The Bible says, what will you let separate you from the love of God? Will you let tribulations, trials, principalities, will you let any of these things separate you? No, I have come to a point in my faith, in my trust in Jesus Christ, in my belief in the Lord God Almighty, that I will not let none of these things separate me. Why? Because, honey, I've been there. I've done that. I've been separated from God. And let me tell you, it is not no picnic. It is not no flower bed of ease. Listen, don't let nobody despise you. you. Nobody. And as a matter of fact, I can see where the younger generation are springing up on every side and they are preaching the, the un, unadulterated gospel with no clothes on. They don't care about how uh, uh, religious folk feel about what they're saying. They are preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, honey, and that it don't have no clothes on it. That's just an expression. That means it, it is pure. It is a pure gospel. They're preaching the pure gospel. They don't care about uh, trying to uh, fix it up and make it look nice or, or sound nice. They are preaching it. Back in my day, that's why we're going back to the foundation. When I first became a Christian, listen, they preached the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. They preached heaven or hell. Either you are going to live to go to heaven or you're going to live and go to hell. That's the way I came up, heaven or hell. There's no in-between. There's no pity pat. There's no, okay, sister, it's going to be all right. You, you, you. No, it was none of that. 
Either you're going to live for God or you're going to live for the devil. And listen, let me tell you, we are coming to a time Jesus is soon to come. And that's the time that we have to be in. Or that is the way the gospel has to be preached now in these days. There is no pity, Pat. Either you're going to go to heaven or you're going to wind up in hell. What do you want? What do you choose? Who do you choose? Do you choose Baal or do you choose the God that answers by fire? Let's settle this thing as Elijah did with the prophets of Jezebel. Let's settle this thing. The God, we're going to serve the God that answers by fire. If your God, if Baal answers by fire, we're going to serve him. If God the Father answers by fire, we're going to serve him. Choose whom you will serve this day. Don't let nobody despise your you. Don't let nobody despise what God has placed on the inside of you. Do what God say do. And do it in humility. Humble yourself. If God is speaking to you, speak what God says. Tell the people. Listen, if you don't, the blood is going to be on your hands. Hear me. If you do not tell the people what God is telling you and something uh, happens to that individual or, or, or the nation or the world, the blood is going to be on your hands. It is scripture. Look for it. And you don't want the blood on your hand. Therefore, do what the Lord is telling you to do. To do. do not let anybody despise your youth. Instead, be an example to the believers with your words, with your actions, with your love, with your faith, and with your pure life. Walk in it. Walk in the anointing of Jesus Christ. Walk in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, came back to show us, to teach us all things, to lead us and guide us, to show us the way to bring all things back to our remembrance. Get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. If you don't do nothing else, get the Holy Spirit inside of you and you will walk in purity. You won't have to fake it till you make it. Honey, you will be walking in the truth. And that's what we are here to do today. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. And that is what we are going to do. Let nobody despise you. Now, and continue to read the scriptures to the people is what Paul is telling Timothy. Strengthen them and teach them. And this is what we are supposed to do as well. We are supposed to continue to read the scriptures. We are supposed to strengthen one another. And we are supposed to teach one another. That Yes, that is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to strengthen each other and teach each other. We are supposed to be in unity. Listen, let me tell you. Honey, the kingdom of darkness. Oh my God from Zion. Satan kingdom is in unity like no other. But the people of God, Christianity is like we don't know what unity is. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Listen to what I say. You know it for yourself. Look, look, look with your natural eyes. Look with your spiritual eyes. The kingdom of darkness, they work in unity. It's horrible. But they do it. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ, 
Christians. My God from Zion. I'm going to leave that right there. Paul is telling Timothy to use the gift from the spirit that is in you. That you have. Which was given you through prophecy and laying on of hands by the elders. Dedicating you to your Christian service. So use what God has given you. Paul said continue to do this and be careful in your life and in your teaching. And you will save both yourself and those that listen to you. So if you do this, it's going to save you and somebody else. My God from Zion, amen to that. It is all about leading someone to Christ. And not only that, but helping them as well as yourself to continue in the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we have finished 1 Timothy chapter and we are going to jump right into 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's concerning various groups, age groups in the church. Now listen, Paul was uh, teaching Timothy how to be a good minister. Listen, Paul turns his, uh, his to advice of how to relate effectively to individuals who make up different groups in the church. Timothy was to appeal to the older men as he would with his own father. Not with rough rebukes, but with gentle exhortation. Just like the, the old, Paul is telling Timothy, the old men in the church, treat them just like you would treat your own father. He was saying the old women in the church, treat them like you would treat your own mother. The young men in the church, Treat them like you would treat your brother. The young women in the church, treat them like you would treat your sister. Listen. This is what you're supposed to do. Handle them this way. And you will be a good minister. Concerning widows. Throughout the Old and the New Testament. Widows. Orphans and aliens are viewed as special objects of the mercy of God. They are to be taken under the wings of the congregation. Timothy was instructed to give proper recognition, that means proper honor, to those who were truly widows, those that were left alone. There's a difference and widows, there is a difference. Yes, there is a difference. You have widows who all they had were their husbands. And now their husbands are dead and they are alone. Then you have widows that had children and grandchildren. Yeah, Paul is saying, you know, show recognition and honor to the widows who are truly widows. Those who are left alone. That means those who had given themselves to the work of prayer in a session in the church and were really in need. These widows were contrasted to those who still had children or grandchildren. Now, now a widow who has nobody else but themselves now that their spouse is, is deceased, they worked in the church. They worked in prayer. We can... Uh, uh, um, 
read in the scripture of how different ones they uh, stayed in the church in the temple praying always they 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 worked in this uh um in the gift of intercession or in the in the part of intercession in the church and Paul was talking about these women and he was you know contrasting them or separating them from the widows who had still had kids why because the kids are responsible for taking care of their parents see in God's economy the first responsibility for caring for the needy falls on the family not the church but if there is no family then that responsibility falls on the church come on now somebody let's not get it twisted let's understand what the word is telling us if you are a widow or if you know a widow and that widow has family it is the responsibility of the family to take care of that individual if there is a widow who has no family, she is left alone, then it is the responsibility of the church to take care of that individual. Hear the word of the, of the Lord. Hear God speaking on today. Now the church at Ephesus apparently had an official list of widows who were entitled to material support from the church, they were required to exhibit exhibit certain spiritual qualifications. Listen, the widows had to exhibit certain spiritual qualifications to be entitled to material support from the church. My God from Zion, who does that? Yes, this is the word of God. And maybe that's why uh, uh, the church today have... Uh, Fallen into systems of error. Listen at what the word tells us. This widow must be over the age of 60. She must have been faithful to her husband. And she must have been well known for her good deeds. Listen to this. These are qualifications of a widow in order to be entitled to material support from the church. She must be over 60 years of age. She must have been faithful to her husband while he was alive. And she must have been well known for her good deeds. My God, my God. Come on, somebody. Go with us. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. We are going back to the foundation. We are going back to the principal things of God. Yes, we are. Now, do not put the younger widows on the list, Paul said. They will remarry. Listen, don't put the young ones on the list, you know, because... Uh, huh. They will remarry. They will find a husband. Yeah, they will have a more difficult time with resisting the temptations that are connected with idleness. The young ones, don't put those on the list. Yeah. 
because they will remarry. We don't. They they they're gonna have a harder time resisting the temptations of the devil. Basically, the older women, you know, they're done with a lot of stuff. You know, they just wanna love God and love people, and they're waiting to go and be with Jesus or be with the Lord. In so many words, but the young ones. It's going to be hard for them to resist the temptation. Because if you consider them a widow, that means they can't or they're not, uh, they won't be getting married again. I put it like that. They will not be getting married again. And that is too hard for the young people. So don't put those on the list because they will marry and the, the temptation is too, too much for them and their idleness. Now, concerning elders, this is talking about the leadership, elders, leadership elders. Previously, we talked about elders, meaning older men, older ones in the church. But here, Paul is dealing with leadership Elders have the oversight of the affairs of the congregation and those who excel in this ministry of leadership were to be considered worthy of double honor. Listen, elders have the oversight of the affairs of the congregation and those who excel in this ministry, in the oversight of the congregation of leadership, were to be considered worthy of double honor. So, if these elders, they worked in their calling and they were great at it, they did it effectively, they did it efficiently, the people loved them, that they taught, they were skillful in their teachings, they were skillful in the word of God. The Bible said they are worthy of double honor. Yes, especially those who labored in preaching and teaching. In other words, the church is to support them. They are to be paid. Yes, it is in the scriptures. The ministers, the elders, that excelled in their ministry. They were to be paid. They were to be considered worthy of double honor. This is what Paul is telling Timothy. Yes, that's why the leaders get paid. But honey, listen. The Spirit told us... Father, up, up there in First uh, Timothy chapter 4, the Spirit spoke expressly <laughs> that many were going to be falling away from the faith and giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Yeah, and that includes leaders. So, honey, if your leader has fallen away, if your leader... Has given heed to seducing spirits. This one. This one. Is not worthy of double honor. This one. 
is not worthy to be paid according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not my opinion. It is what the scripture is telling us here. This one that has fell away from the faith and given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. This one that has allowed systems of error to enter into the church. This one is not worthy of double honor. This one is not worthy to be paid according to the scripture of Jesus Christ. Listen to what the scripture is telling us here on today. We have gone back to the foundation. We have gone back to the principal theme of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not what I think. It's not my opinion. It is what the word of God is telling us here on today. Now, Paul was aware of opposition in the ministry. He had already spoke to of the need to guard the congregation from the reproach of slanderers. Therefore, Paul gives a procedure for separating valid accusations from false ones. Listen, there are many valid accusations against leaders in the church and there are many false ones. Yes, there are many people out there trying to scandalize the name of the people of God. Why? Because they work for the devil. They are, are led by the spirit of evil. They are deceiving spirits. Yes, and they have doctrines of devils. They are from the kingdom of darkness. And they are trying to uh, scandalize the name of Jesus Christ. Scandalize the name of church leaders. Scandalize the name of the church. And Paul gives a procedure to validate accusations from false ones. The good from the bad, in other words. An accusation should only be considered if two or three witnesses swear to it. If two or three witnesses can come together and say, yay is yay and nay is nay, then then consider that accusation. But if you cannot get two or three witnesses, then you consider it false. When accusations are proven to be true, however, Timothy was instructed to openly, to publicly, before the entire congregation, to rebuke the offender that others may fear the disciplinary actions of the Lord. Follow these instructions without partiality or favoritism. Don't do it for one and don't do it for the other. Don't rebuke this person and not rebuke that person. Paul instructed Timothy, if the accusation is true, openly, publicly, before the entire congregation, rebuke this person. Publicly reprimand this person, this offender, 
so that others may fear. Yes, this is what Paul is telling Timothy. Listen, we are going back to the foundations of the gospel. My God from Zion. Did you know that that was in here? Did you know that that was in the word of God? Did you know that? So these uh, teachers and leaders and, and people of, of, of um, office, when they are found or when they are proven to be guilty of an accusation, do you know they are supposed to be publicly rebuked? They are supposed to be publicly reprimanded in the church? Do you see that happening today? Or do you see it being covered up? Do you see that happening today? No, honey, we are going to the principal thing. We are back to the principal, the first love, the beginning. We are going back to the beginning. And we are hearing thus said the word of God. We are hearing what the spirit is speaking unto the church. Why is God so angry why is God judging the nations we can find here in Timothy some of the things that are not happening in the church and some of the things that are happening in the church and we can say that's why that's why God is so angry that is why judgment is upon the nations. That's why God starts his judgment in the church. God judges. His judgment starts with his people in so many words. It starts with the church. God is judging the nations. And we can find here why he is judging the nations. Now, one way to avoid painful situations involving the discipline of an elder is to be careful. Listen at Paul. Is to be careful who you ordain in the first place. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. To avoid this situation, be careful who you put in office in the first place. Make sure that person is worthy of that office. Don't put them in place if they don't qualify, if they don't have the qualifications, if they don't live a holy and a righteous life. If you know that they're doing uh, things that are not pleasing to God, don't put them in office. Listen, I'm reading the word of God, but I, I can agree with the word of God. I have been there and I have done that. Listen. I understand. I understand what the word is saying. Been there and done that. Paul is saying avoid painful, painful situations involving disciplinary actions. <laughs> avoid that. How do you avoid that, Paul? Well, be careful who you put in place in the first place. Be careful who you ordain in the first place. Be careful who you lay hands on in the first place. That's, that's where the scripture is coming from. Lay hands suddenly on no man. Why? Because when you lay hands, you are imparting in them. You're stirring up the gifts of God in them. You are placing them in an office. 
lay hands suddenly on no man because you want to avoid painful situations of disciplinary actions. You want to be careful who you place in the office of an elder in the first place is what Paul is saying. Now, Paul counseled Timothy on several things. No one is to be ordained to the position of elder hastily. Don't do it quickly. No, they have to be tried. They have to be tested. Do not ordain someone to the position of elder hastily. Ordaining a man as an elder is a public declaration to the church that the person has been faithful to God, excuse me, during the time of their Christian profession. This person has been faithful to God. You are declaring, you're putting your word behind it. You are putting your character behind this person. You're saying that, yes, this person has been faithful to God. We are back at the principal thing, my God from Zion. Did you know that this was in the Bible? Did you know that? Paul said, for a church to ordain or appoint anyone to a position of leadership hastily in disregard to the guidelines of God causes it to be a partaker of that person's sin. Yikes! Yikes! If the church ordains somebody hastily and they disregard the guidelines of God, then the church is a partaker of that individual's sin. What? You wonder why God is so angry? Yes. If you put somebody in the office of leadership and you disregard these guidelines that we are learning here in the book of 1 Timothy, you disregard all of that. Of how they have to be a husband of one wife. They have to be gentle. They have to be faithful to the word of God. They have to be skillful in teaching the word of God. They have to be able to, to, to uh, uh, lead their own home, their own children before they can lead a church. When you disregard these things, the Bible is telling us that the church is a partaker of that individual's sin. If that person is abusing his wife or his kids at home and nobody knows about it, and we put that individual in position because we did not seek God on the matter. The church is a partaker of that abuse. That's just an example I'm using. Then the church as a whole is a partaker of that abuse. Oh my God from Zion. Did you know that that was in the Bible? Did you know that that is a principal thing in the Bible? Did you know that? Is that being taught in the scripture? Have you heard that taught at your church? 
Has it been taught recently? Have you heard the qualifications of a leader been taught? Have you heard that sermon? It's in the Bible. Did you even know that it was in the Bible? It's there and we are learning it today. It appears that Timothy had frequent stomach problems. We're moving on. So Timothy had stomach problems. And perhaps it was due to the poor quality of water there at Ephesus. So it was, you know, it was frequent with Timothy. So what did Paul tell him? Because Paul is shutting this letter down now. He's coming to the end. He's te- Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for medical purposes because he had stomach problems. Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for medical purposes. Sweet wine. Back in those days, it was juice coming from the grapes before they were pressed. That that juice that comes from the grapes, <laughs> that's sweet wine. That's what they call sweet wine. Paul is telling Timothy to drink wine, drink a little wine, because he has stomach problems, which most likely was due to drinking the poor quality of water in Ephesus. So therefore, Paul was telling him to drink this wine for medical purposes. Listen. Listen, my church friends, my religious friends. That's what Paul was telling Timothy to drink it for. This sweet wine was good for the stomach and it did not intoxicate. I am not touching that wine controversy with a 10-foot pole. I will not. Sister Allie Katz will not touch the wine controversy with a 10-foot pole. Listen, but I'm telling you what the scripture here in 1 Timothy the fifth chapter is saying or is speaking Paul told Timothy because of his stomach problems to drink some wine for medical purposes and we're going to move on in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth we pray now we're going to go on to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and we are going to wrap this up Paul is talking to Timothy concerning slaves and masters. Now, listen, back in those days, there were slaves. People had slaves. They had, they had workers. And so we have to consider the time uh, that they were living in. And uh, we know that in these days, in 2022, slavery is um, illegal. Slavery is illegal in 2022. However, it still goes on today, but it is illegal. However, in the time that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in Ephesus, is where Timothy was, a slavery was legal. Now listen, Paul talks about concerning the slaves and their masters. Now on this point, 
Paul is talking to, uh, we've already talked to, let's see, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. We already talked to the masters earlier in the book of Timothy. But here Paul is talking to the slaves themselves. Why why do I say this? It's because um when the when the church was being formed, when the gospel of Jesus Christ was going forth, slaves were being saved, slaves came into salvation and their masters came into salvation. So, in one church you will have slaves and you would have the masters. Both of them would at times be going to the same church. Because many are uh, many times, I wouldn't say at times, uh, most of the time, because there would maybe be only one church in the city. Therefore, the slave and the master came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So Paul has to address these things. Why? Because they're both trying to live for God. Therefore, you have to address the the um the roles, the roles of a slave uh um contrasted to the role of a master. Listen what Paul had to say. Under normal circumstances, slaves and masters had no associations outside of the institution of slavery. See? I'm the master and you're the slave, or you're the master and I'm the slave. However, these two groups found themselves thrown together in the congregation in new ways. They both go to the same church, creating problems that the apostles were forced to address repeatedly, repeatedly. They had to address this issue. Why? Because if I'm if I'm the master and we're going to church, and you're my slave, I may feel like you still have to um, do the things of slavery uh, here in church, but not even though we're coming into the knowledge of Jesus Christ or the slave. Well, here, we're just going to listen to what the scripture is telling us. In this passage, Paul addresses the slaves only. They are to view their masters as worthy of full respect. Honor and respect should grant should be granted lest God's reputation and the Christian faith be slandered. So you are a slave. Oh my God, I'm saying. You are a slave. You have to respect your master. They have to address this issue because we don't want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be slandered. That is your role. That is your position. You are a slave. So you have to honor your master. No back talking and carrying on. Your master is worthy of respect. If he is a good master. If they are good masters. And granted if the master is in the church. They are, are either a good master. Or they are learning how to be a good master. Now Paul returns to where he began. After he finished with the, the slavery part. The slave and the masters. Paul returns to where he began. He returns to false teachers. He described the characteristics of these of their disease. Yes, Paul considered false teachers 
to have a disease. He said doctrinal error is seldom merely a case of being innocently mistaken. There is almost always some degree of guilt. Yeah, when you are false, there is some degree of guilt. You didn't just dry long so become a false teacher. False teachers in Ephesus, they were conceited. They were puffed up. They were inflated with egos who understood nothing. Yeah, this is what Paul talks about the false teachers at Ephesus. They were diseased or diseased with controversies and arguments, which leads to envy, quarreling, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction. Their minds have been corrupted. They have been robbed of the truth by Satan. And they think that godliness is a means of financial gain. Their greed was the core of their motivation. Yes, this is what Paul said. Paul said that false teachers are diseased. He, he started out with false teachers and he's ending the book of 1 Timothy with false teachers. He want to keep Timothy on guard. He wants to make sure that Timothy is uh, watching out for the congregation. That Timothy is watching out or defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying that these people are diseased. They are are conceited. They're puffed up. They're inflated with egos and they understand nothing. They're diseased with controversies and arguments. Uh, um, they lead with envy, quarreling. That leads to envy, quarreling, malicious talk, evil suspic suspicions, and constant friction. Their minds have been corrupted. They have been robbed of the truth by Satan. And they think that godliness is a means of financial gain. These are they. Now Paul comments on the topic of greed. He tells Timothy, godliness does not give financial gain. Listen, being godly has nothing to do with financial gain. It itself is gain when accompanied with contentment. You have to be content in preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul supported his point with a common Jewish and Christian idea about the complete transcendency of material things. Listen. Use them while you are here on this earth. Why? Because you cannot take them with you in death. <laughs> Paul does not cut any corners. Listen. The gospel does not cut any corners. The gospel tells it like it is. How do they say the gospel tells it like it is? is. There is no pity pad. There is no coding. Did you know that this was in the word of God? Paul said the gospel uh, 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 godliness has nothing to do with financial gain. Preaching and teaching the gospel has nothing to do with financial gain. In itself, the gain, you, you have to be content. 
with preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you get near a penny, not one single penny, you should be content when you teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he came back and said, you know, you know, you have things, you gather things, you get things, you get money. You get these things, you get cars, you get houses, you get jets, planes, whatever, what have you of elders today. But he said, use that while you can, while you are on this earth. Why? Because you cannot take it with you in death. You're going to leave that here. We talked about that on the previous episode, how, how I, this, uh, information really hit home to me when my mother died when my mother died and left all of her nice things here it hit home to me and and i say it hit home to me because uh yes i was in a state of grieving but i also could see with my spiritual eyes the lord was dealing with me about uh spiritual things and natural things this stuff is not going to go to heaven with you Houses and cars and land and material possessions, uh, furniture and clothes and jewelry, whatever it is that you like upon this earth. Paul is saying here, you know, go ahead and enjoy these things while you're here on this earth. But those things will not go with you when you die. You cannot take that stuff with you. We can look at, uh, for instance, uh, King Tut, how his, his, um, his burial chamber was full of his things, full of expensive things, gold and all kind of material possessions. They put it in his uh, uh, burial tomb. But listen, King Tut is gone and all that stuff is here today. That stuff is in museums. You cannot take it with you. Don't value that stuff to a point where you make it a God. It is not a God. That is idolatry. You wonder why God is so angry. You wonder why God is judging the nations here in 2022. So many reasons why. So many reasons. Your house is an idol. Your car is an idol. Your jury idols. And we wonder why God is so upset. We wonder why God is judging the nations. There's a reason for you right there. You cannot take that stuff with you in death. Paul contrasted the proper attitude of contentment with its opposites. The cravings to get rich and to love and the love of money. Two sides of the same coin. Yes. The craving to get rich and the love of money is two sides of the exact same coin. The grasping at the riches leads to temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires that lunge men into ruin and destruction. Yes, two sides of the same coin. Yes. Grasping for riches will lead you to a path of destruction. And God is not on that path. 
Now, the final charge to Timothy, and we are going to wrap this up. Paul concludes with an exhortation to Timothy not to be like the false teachers. Flee from all this and chase after personal values, personal virtues that are of eternal value, such as righteousness. Chase righteousness, not money. Fight the good fight of faith, Timothy, which is an athletic language. Timothy was to give his best effort to this struggle to father the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul sees that Christians, Paul sees the Christian life as a fight, an intense struggle that preserving or persevering in the loyalty of Jesus Christ and contending with adversities of the gospel. God calls all of us as believers to stand firm in the faith and let nothing move us. Paul motivates Timothy to keep these commandments, this body of truth, without spot or blame until the return of Jesus Christ. Then and only then will the struggle be over. Listen, you got to hang in there. You got to hold on with everything in your power. Because listen, the fight is a continuous fight. The enemy is always going to fight up against you. The enemy is always going to fight up against me. The enemy is going to always fight against us. But we have to hold on with everything that we have on the inside of us. Hold on to the truth, the body of the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then and only when Jesus returns, that is only, that is the only time that the struggle will be over when Jesus returns. So we have to keep the faith. Now, Paul realizes that Christ may return or may not return before his death. Paul is encouraging Timothy to leave the timing of the return of Jesus Christ to the Lord. He is the ultimate ruler of the universe. Paul gives instructions concerning the rich. His last words. He had already gave instructions concerning the poor. Which we read throughout all Timothy. Basically, the first uh, Timothy uh First Timothy, <laughs> bless the Lord, they are not to be arrogant. This is about the rich. He had to touch on the rich as well. He talked about the poor. Now he has to touch on the rich. Listen, Ephesus was that rich people were in Ephesus. And Paul is touching on that. They are not to be arrogant as if their wealth is deserved. They should put should not put their hope in wealth. Which is no, which is so uncertain and transient. Wealth is uncertain. You could be wealthy today and you could be poor tomorrow. Let me tell you, been there, done that. You can have a house day and, and be broke down tomorrow. It, it happens. So don't put your trust in wealth. God can give it to you today and he can take it away from you tomorrow. Paul is saying, tell the, the wealthy. Or the rich, don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God, the one that gives and the one that takes it away. For example, when COVID closed down the nations, this is for us. We could tell the individuals that put their trust in wealth. Why? 
Why do I say we could tell the individuals that put their trust in wealth? Because when they lost it all, they committed suicide. They didn't have their trust in God. If they had put their trust in God, they would not have committed suicide. Because they they wouldn't have known that God gives and God takes away. And God can restore that which he had taken away. But instead of putting their confidence in God, they put their confidence in wealth. And when COVID shut down the nations, they committed suicide. That's an example for us today of what Paul is talking about. Therefore, always put your hope in God, who is the source of material things. He is the source of all your supply. The wealthy should do good deeds, be generous and willing to share what God has afforded them. That is the word of God. Always put your hope and your trust in God. And be blessed in this last and evil day. Thank you again for listening to Sister Alicast T. Where we talk about all things church related. Listen. Listen to these uh, uh, passages over and over again. Because there is some good teaching in the word of God. There are some things that we may have forgotten here in the book of Timothy. There are some things that we've got away from here in the book of Timothy. And there are some things that we did not know was in the Bible here in the book of Timothy. Yes. Read the book of Timothy. Go over the scripture. One by one. Word by word. Precept by precept. And hear what the spirit is speaking to the church. In this last and in this evil day. I love you guys. And I will be talking to you soon. Why? Because we have to go to 2 Timothy. But listen. 2 Timothy is only four chapters. Let's see what we can glean out of 2 Timothy. Love you guys and have a beautiful and blessed day. Goodbye.